Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Follow the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patronage. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, April 17th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. And a little later than usual, thanks for your patience today. No, it is not 5 a.m. Eastern Time here on the East Coast. It's a little later than that. But it's still the morning, and most importantly, we're here. Today's show will feature Chris Forsberg. For those listening, you know who he is, covering the Celtics for the mothership since 2008, www.espn.com, at ESPN Forsberg on Twitter, or just type in Chris Forsberg on Google, shuffle your way through the horrifying mugshots, <laughs> if that's the means you want to access Chris's work. And Chris is essentially going to be co-hosting today's show with me today. Ooh. Episode number 153 of Celtics Beat, which this week, in the aftermath of Game 1 of the 2016 Eastern Conference Quarter Finals, is being presented by SeatGeek and AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Chris, our audience, got to bang out a little business here before we get you here. They're our guest, our, our co-host, our, our guest co-host. <laughs> but today, the tickets, we've extended this one one week because the Celtics home playoff Game 1 that is now Game 3 of the series, which will take place on Friday night, this coming Friday, giving away a pair of seats to that game. Entry is simple to get into the drawing of that. Subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes. Get your friends in so you're in. Steal someone's computer or phone. You know, put something in for them. It's for a great cause. Celtics playoff tickets. So don't forget the review, folks. That's how we identify your username. Winner announced on at CLNS underscore LHR. That is at CLNS underscore LHR. So, again, subscribe, rate, and review. Celtics Beat on iTunes. Now we can talk about basketball. We got breaking news here on the show. Not happy except the temporary ones. Uh, Celtics losers last night, 102 to 101 down in Atlanta. Avery Bradley also we're waiting word on that. But, Chris, I'm working on about three and a half hours worth of sleep, which I hate. So I got to have you take it from here. Well, let me let's dive in with the fact that you know everything. That second half was really encouraging. I mean, they just pull ahead, and then all of a sudden down goes Avery. 
And I, you know, I, I think we sort of undervalue Avery Bradley, right? Because we just take it for granted. I mean, the the the, kid, the poor kid was was pretty injury prone throughout the early stages of his career. You think back to that series against what was it, Philadelphia in the playoffs uh, early in his career, and his, both his shoulders popped out, and he played through that. Well, he goes down, and you can just see, you know, the the, the body language of the team, like, oh, come on, we just came all the way back, and now we've got to we've got to overcome this. And listen, Avery put on a brave face in the locker room and, and was trying to say, like, he, hey, he wants to be back for game two, but watching him hobble around, uh, watching his teammates talk, as if he as if he will be out for a while is uh is, is concerning because it changes the dynamic of this series and changes the dynamic for a team who let's face it they they really needed to be healthy in order to play their best basketball this season and now you're taking out maybe their one of their better two-way players and uh I'll be interested to see if he is not able to miraculously come back how the team responds to his absence what is the speculation on that? Is it a hamstring injury? Because they said that he heard something pop. Could it be an Achilles? I know he grabbed his hamstring. Yeah. Could it be I, something a little more than – he's had uh, problems with Achilles in his career. I believe he set up some, some games with sore Achilles in the past. So he had the – it was definitely the hamstring where he grabbed. He, that's where he had everything taped after the game. And, I mean, he was just kind of hobbling around. I mean, you start worrying. I mean, I think back to Rondo. I mean, Rondo thought it was a hamstring when he blew out his ACL. So I don't want to speculate that on that, but I I do think that you need to wait 24 hours before you can probably even put him in an MRI and let the swelling go down. So he's scheduled to go in this morning and we'll see from there. But uh, again, you know, as much as he was, was very positive, I mean, even Brad Stevens is sitting there saying, you know, all right, well, you know, we lost one of our guys, but we got to move on. Uh, the, the Coach fact speak. That the, yeah. It, it, the, but still, like, normally coaches would, would sort of be like, you know, we're hopeful that he can get back and, and wait, and they wait till it's very definitive that the fact that they're this concerned is, is slightly worrisome. Now, that being said, Avery, I mean, I think we know there have been times in Avery's career where, you know, he's hit the ground in a game, and, you, and I think even this season, like, he got kicked in the back of the leg at one point. Um, you know, there have been there have been little uh, instances where I've said, "Oh man, he's he's probably going to miss some time," and he's out there the next game. I mean, the kid is tough as nails. Even though he had that 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 reputation of being injury prone early in his career, this kid this kid fights through stuff. So uh, I don't want to don't want to totally rule him out. Just watching him limp around that locker room, uh, it's hard for me to fathom that. I think, could, yeah, I, I think could, when you're right. reading, when you're reading the quotes from the teammates, and you had a story up there late last night, and I saw. When I was trying to get you on the show this morning, I saw you. I think their article came out at two thirteen a.m. on ESPN. I was like, oh, I don't think, I don't think Chris is going to be up at the hour. I'm going to be up at. But and that's when I saw that. I think also too the Celtics, the whole Paul Pierce thing in two thousand eight. They sort of yeah. use everything up with the injury gods in terms of miraculous injuries. <laughs> and this one isn't really something that. I mean, if the season is going to come to an end because of an Avery Bradley injury, and it's not the end of the world that it was being this season. Although even to this was just a bad matchup, anyways. Do you think they can really make this a competitive series without them? Because they get it to six. I, I, they need to get the series to six, just so you know. I mean, right. not because of for the sake of it, making the franchise look good. But right. I sold my game six tickets to someone, and I'm in no like, <laughs> interest. I don't want to ref. I don't want to refund those. But how about when the series returns to Boston? You think they can get one or both of those games without Bradley? Yeah, I mean, I like you can't rule out the fact that they could they could steal one still down here. I mean, I think we know that they shot pretty poorly in the first That's half. Be hard. I mean, they, they looked terrible uh, oh, at the start of that game. 
I mean, I, I just don't think you can rule out the fact that uh, Boston can find a way. I mean, Atlanta's sort of streaky itself. They're up and down. They're, they're, there's going to be times where this team can take advantage. Um, but that being said, you know, not having Avery, not only you, you look at you look at game one and you got, uh, you know, Atlanta's guards, Teague and, and Bazemore are, are, are attacking the basket. Uh, you know, not having Avery there to help is, is is going to hurt in, the, in, in that regard. It's going to hurt chasing three-point shooters when when uh, the Hawks actually have those shots falling. Uh, it's going to be hard not to look at this game and think that was the one to steal. I mean, Corver did nothing. The, the the guards did nothing. It was wide open for Boston even even after rallying out of the night. Millsap was checked, which is another storyline yeah. in that game. Crowder did a great job on him. So I, I, it, part of me says, well, you know, those guys aren't going to play that poorly again. And then I think, well, maybe the Celtics won't shoot that poorly again. I just think it's going to be that kind of a, uh, kind of a series, and I think we knew that going in. Like this, the Celtics just haven't been very consistent offensively all season. There, there was that maybe that one stretch, sort of middle of the season, where they where they really took off, and but it hurt their defense because when they play good offense, they seem to let let up on the defensive side. They've got to figure out a way to get consistent offense, not find those lulls. You know, Isaiah Thomas has to get going earlier. Uh, it, it, a lot has to go right, but I just can't rule it out. I just feel like. With all these teams, I felt that way going in. Like Atlanta was probably the worst of the matchups. The worst, possible, the worst. But you felt like they could all compete with each other on a given night. Both teams, I thought last night. I mean, the Celtics did not play well, especially early on. Although that's sort of a case that they really had trouble getting into the paint, especially in the half court when they were opening up and getting a little more fast breaks when they were making that run. But both teams, I thought, brought like a B minus C plus game, classic playoff opener, and we knew it was going to be sort of an ugly 1970s type football series. Anyways, I believe this is two of the top five defenses in the NBA. Yeah. I know Atlanta's second in efficiency. I can't remember what Boston finished at. I know they got to be top. They're like five or six though. Yeah, I think. They- ended up tied for fifth but you're right it's like you know two 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 defenses that are going to just butt heads and it's going to be it's going to be a rock fight at times during this series but it was a closer matchup than i thought i mean uh, last night you know both teams really struggled from outside you mentioned corver just atlanta as a team what were they like i think they were five of 28 from three that was the the final number i saw last night before mm-hmm. bed but they really rode that home crowd, I thought. It could have been a different game had that been in Boston because some of the Hawks' role guys like Mike Scott and Kent Bazemore, they seem to get a big adrenaline boost from the crowd, which for whatever reason, those cliches, I, I don't know what it is. It, it does seem to play its way in the playoffs, especially with the roller guys. But it was a closer matchup than I thought. They could have won if it was in Boston, especially when the Celtics were making that charge. They couldn't get over the hump for the longest time. They finally got over the hump. They got up by three. You could ride a little momentum there, but then you start making those sloppy turnovers. Atlanta gets easy baskets on their end. So I, there was a case where I was saying, you know what? It's a little closer than I thought it'd be. And quite frankly, last night's game, as sloppy as it was, was just very well could have been Atlanta was at home and Boston wasn't. What I take away from you, what you said about the home court is that you think Boston Celtics should give away neon T-shirts for game oh. three. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 they looked white, though, on screen. I saw them on Twitter. I think Chris Villamore tweeted them out. I was like, yeah. this heinous. And then I saw they looked white on TV though. Just so you know, you should you should yeah. have seen uh, how many open seats it covered. Now, no doubt the, the they filled in pretty well. It, it's not the typical. They have Atlanta a good crowd. playoff crowd. They do, and 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 you know what? I will actually. I don't want to be an Atlanta apologist, but you, you forget they've made the playoffs nine straight years. It's the the second longest streak in the NBA behind the Spurs. Like I don't want to. I don't think they take it for granted down here. I do think they just there's interest bubbles up more when the playoffs. But I mean that's a pretty good run. There's it's not like 
they're sitting here saying, "Oh man, I can't wait till till the Hawks are back in the playoffs." Like they've been there. They, they, this is this team is maybe not this exact group, but this this these guys have playoff experience. I, I do think that's one of the things working in their favor, especially after how successful they were last season. But kind of to hammer home your point, like you, you look at what happened in the second half. I'm sitting there thinking, "All right, I'm I'm going to be writing on Marcus Smart." Being, you know, exploding in the second half, stepping up his game. Maybe Amir Johnson, who gets shuffled to the bench role, but then comes in and plays great defense. But then down the stretch, you know, Amir, I don't know what he was doing, dribbling around on the perimeter when he had his turnover. Marcus uh, had the, the ill-timed foul with 30-something seconds left to go instead of playing for a defensive stop. You know, the, the, the Celtics, they're not good enough to overcome those sort of mental lapses. They've got to be more poised. They've got to be better in those situations and that's what stood out in those wins whether it was in golden state or against miami they had great poise at the finish line and it, it sort of didn't befit the age of this team and how how young they are uh they've got to find a way to to keep that that locked in and i mean heck even brad stevens is getting texts out there yeah i didn't even see that it was on tv i believe it happened during a commercial break and all of a sudden they said oh brad stevens got a technical foul but they made a pretty good charge after that though they did, and you know what? Sometimes, that as a coach, you need. I'm, I'm often surprised that when his team doesn't have enough energy, that Brad doesn't just think about doing that because it's such a shock when it happens. That I think it gets the attention of your team. Now, I don't know if that was necessarily the, the, the impetus for for their them taking off there, uh, but it is good because even after uh, the technical, uh, the ref went, you know, let, let him shoot the technically missed, came back up court, and Brad was still giving uh, capers grief. Uh, good to see Brad get on the the officials. I think he knows, especially in a series, you know, the, the, that people are watching, that refs are going to know the tenor of each series. You got to work these guys and, and make sure you're getting the whistles too. Now, Randy Auerbach, Red's daughter, is always on me about that. He's like that. Brad Stevens does not argue with the refs enough. I think he does. I think he's actually been much better. I think this year he's been much more aggressive with it. And I don't know. Maybe it's like the reputation thing where uh, because. Maybe they feel like, oh, that's that's Brad Stevens. He, he's too nice. We can't give him a technical. I don't know if there's some factor of that when when refs are dealing with him. They just seem slower to be willing to to get it to him. Now it's, it's part not of it, in I his think, DNA is, either. I think. I mean, yeah, if you're, and if I, you're it's, force it's, him to say, you know, to get fired up, he just he just if it, that's not in a, just mental. I don't know. If it's just not in his makeup, and then you're just telling him to be someone that he's not. Exactly, and I think that's a bad a bad thing for his players because then and it you're saying it's, it's okay it's okay to to lose your head it's okay to look like you know you're causing this this almost false outburst. Um, um, there's certainly times when he when he probably deserves it, but um, you know I think even to his his other lone uh, technical and ejection in Sacramento, he really didn't say much. He just used the right word and and he knew he was gone. He calmly put down his clipboard and departed. But uh, I don't I, I wonder if we'll, it'll be another couple of years before we see another Brad Stevens deck. Was there ever a point where you thought they were going to win that game? Like when they got that lead, they finally got over the hump. Because for the longest time, that looked like the classic road team on the road that oh, was yeah. down big, and they were down 19, and they couldn't really get over the hump. Every time they would get to like five, I think mm-hmm. you know Baysmore would make a shot or, or Scott would get a dunk on the lane. But then they finally – Broke it on that Crowder three. Yeah, the corner three. And yeah, then, and and I think and, and I, that was the exact moment I said, "Wow, they've 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 really got a chance." Because at that point, you start wondering, okay, is the team on the other side good enough to respond to that? And I'll admit, I wasn't sure the Hawks had the necessary poise to sort of sit there, watch a lead evaporate, to be shooting that poorly, and still find a way to settle themselves. And I think the the Bradley injury did, 
you know, mess with Boston a little bit. I, I don't think it necessarily hurt hurt you know immediately on the court or they were that that they didn't couldn't fill his void there for the final seven minutes. Uh, but mentally, you know, that that's a tough thing to kind of snap out of, especially when you, now you've given your lead back and to kind of get back into it. Uh, it, it felt like that, that that injury just came at a, at a really bad time. Right as everything is going right and you surge your head, uh, you got Jay Crowder slamming the, the scorer's table in frustration and, and trying to, to, to figure out how you're going to close the game. With but Besides Isaiah, probably you're, you're, you're one of your more clutch guys. Avery has had more uh, uh, big shots lately, and, and that's that's tough because these that's that situation that the Celtics have struggled with this season and, and especially last year in the playoffs. You think about what, what hurt them against Cleveland is they were tight. Those games were pretty tight down to the fourth quarter, and then it felt like you know, the Celtics just didn't have it, and LeBron kicked it into another gear and pulled away for those games. Uh, they've got to figure out how to, to make sure they, they, they keep that poise uh, regardless of who's on the floor in this series. I would love to have seen the stats of Jeff Teague on and off the floor with, with Avery Bradley when they finally moved Bradley to right. Teague. And he did a good, a good job, but Teague still finished with a whale of a game. I would love to see almost sort of like, you know, a little comparison of, you know, with Bradley on him. I just, you know, like I said, I just I slept miserably last night. It's still a little early in the morning, and I haven't really got all the way around, around to it. I want to still talk about cliches. We're talking about playoff experience of the Hawks. Bradley's like the only guy on the Celtics with legitimate playoff experience. He was on that 2012 team and played up until... Was it like game five against Philadelphia? Yeah. And they ruled him exactly. out game six. I think it might have been game, you know, game, I know around game five or six, and then Ray Allen started the, the final two games. But he's the only guy, and he had a big three-pointer, I believe it was from the wing, that brought him within yeah, two. Yeah. I think, I mean, they're going to just miss him just because, I mean, for one, all you're really going to have to do with defense is going to be Marcus Smart, who played a whale of a game last night. It could be Chris, it could be rosé time actually oh my gosh i mean and, and, and that's tough like i mean, hey, I mean he's not cool. going to get a single call if he's if he's i mean even I mean, he's not going to play he's going to have to play i would assume but even I if would, it is 10 so. or 12 minutes he's not going to get a single i mean i know he's very athletic oh you know he can match that athleticism and, and, and stay with teague and he won't get a single he's a rookie he won't get a single call on teague it, it, it'll be tough, and and I think I'm, I'm thinking like even last night you, you throw R.J. Hunter out there because you're so desperate to find shooting in the first uh, half. Now you get, now you got yeah. to go to Terry to to fill guard minutes. I actually think Terry showed a really good uh, just progress there at the end of the year. He, he played okay bit. when he got minutes, which you can't exactly. which you can't say for Hunter. He didn't. He he had a bad year. I mean, exactly. I still had legitimate hopes for him. I actually I liked the pick, and I did not like the Rozier pick. Uh, but Rogier was like he you're right he at least got better at the end of the year and there were points in the season where he belonged on the floor. Well, I'm, I'm going to kick it back to that playoff experience thing for one second. I just looked it up. They, the, so the Celtics have 15 players. That have, they only had played a combined 111 postseason games coming into the playoffs. A lot of it's the, Amir Johnson. And well, that's the thing. Yeah. And that, it's the second lowest total in the league this season of, of playoff teams. Only Portland has less experience, of course, because that roster was gutted. Uh, but you take away Amir and Avery, and Turner. it's essentially nobody. Yeah, it's essentially Turner, Turner with it was, more we than talking about games. the 2012 series. Obviously, Turner was on that Sixers team that went seven games against Boston. People like forget about that year. I that was like one of my favorite years. Uh, oh, uh, so great! That, they were they were horrible to watch. Like the whole like the <laughs> offense was just heinous. But I don't know. It was just that was a fun. Do you remember actually too when um. I think it was during the Heat series of that year. It might have been like games three or four, uh, and they showed Avery Bradley sitting around where Wick, and he had tears in his eyes when he yeah. had like his. Do you, you remember did, that? 
he had like a white T-shirt on behind the basket. I think it was it was right after the injury happened or whatever. It was game three or four against Miami. Yeah, yeah. In, and it's just like I mean, he wanted madhouse. to be out there that bad. And that's again, that's why I can't unequivocally say he just won't come back because I feel like he's going to go into Endless Hurts' office and go, you know, give me another hamstring. Let's do a surgical transplant. Like he's going to come up with some way, or they'll tape it really tight. Uh, I just can't rule out the fact that he will try. But if, you know, you also get if it's a kid. pull. If it's a pull, he could play on it, although I wouldn't be for it because, A, he's just – he's had injuries throughout yeah. his career. And if you play on it, especially with a hamstring injury, you're compensating for the way you run slash walk. Oh, that could lead to bad. another injury. If it's torn, forget it. He's done. If that's a torn right. hamstring, you're done. But if it's a if it's a pull or a strain, I still wouldn't even play him. If But the Celtics don't do that. They, they'll say, oh, if you're good enough to go out there, you're good – I mean, you can't be risking players like this in still what is a season like this where you're exactly. not in the the championship picture. He's still a key piece for the franchise moving forward. You don't trot him out there. Let's say if it is a pull hamstring, even a severely pulled, and you can still really move on it, you still don't trot him out there. But they will. What, what, what do you sort of come down on that? What do you yeah, think? I, what would you I, do I think, and think what do you think the Celtics will do? If I think it is a pull do. hamstring. They'll be cautious. Like I think that's been their mo this year, and, and just like you said, but they ran Crowder out there against Philadelphia, which well, was maddening. Yeah, but, uh, um, so I think that's, Portland, a, that's I mean. a situation where you, you you try to protect the player as much as you can, but there becomes a point where if he's cleared, even if he needs another week, you might not be able to, to, to keep him down. Like I thought, eight games was a lot for Crowder, and I I agree. I think the high ankle you know, sprain. I know, and NFL it's a four to six week injury. NFL players miss a month with that injury. They, they, I, I would have thought about another week for him. I think maybe they were a little bit worried about, you know, that that that, that he was going to need that time to shake the rust, and that bared out. Like there were that that stretch, he did not look good. Um, you do worry that. I mean, maybe they got a little bit lucky that he didn't tweak it worse, or or you know, or the team didn't struggle even more while he was out there. Um, I do think that in your mind, if you're sitting there and you're being honest, you say, do we really want Avery Bradley with? A bad hamstring trying to guard Jeff Teague and try and no, that's the recipe for making it worse and, and, and getting hurt. I do think they'll be cautious. So let me throw it back at you. What do you think the Celtics do to compensate? Do you pull Marcus Smart up? Do you like how do you how do you compensate? I think it him? is what we were just talked about. It's probably gonna be Rose, giving him about ten to thirteen minutes and boost Smart's minutes. I mean, Smart goes to the starting lineup, I assume, correct? I I would think so too, but then how do you pull Evan up with him? Because of the way you went small in game two, or do you go back to more traditional and hope that you know that Sully and Amir can figure out how to? Oh, Sullinger! Oh, oh, we haven't even gotten to him yet. He was horrible <laughs> last night. I mean, as soon as you mentioned, no, I mean, I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have to stay small and they're going to have to deal with the consequences for it. I mean, Atlanta's one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the league. Uh, they use that whole Doc Rivers method of basically not give a crap about <laughs> offensive rebounds. Yeah, yeah. Yet I thought Atlanta got so many key offensive rebounds late in the game. There was one on the putback when there were like a few Celtics even just around. Yeah. And uh, what was it? They were, that Horford. Was that yeah, Horford. Horford and then there was the another travel. one too where, where Horford grabbed late and he, got, and he made both the free throws. Atlanta doesn't give a crap about offensive rebounds, but – Atlanta out-rebounded the Celtics last night, I believe, by eight. And it was almost because they had X amount of offensive rebounds, which, again, I should have the block score up in front of me, but I don't. Um, I, I you, you still go small, though, because, I mean, there, there were a lot of things. You, they, what about increasing the pace? 
of the of the of the, of the team because that's when they sort of were making a little runs. So I don't know if you can do that all the time. Yeah, that, that's tough in the playoffs, right? I think yeah. it's just everybody grinds to to a bit of a halt. I didn't I didn't check the possession numbers, but I, I would assume it was it was much lower than what they normally play at. But yeah, they've got to find a balance there. I mean, that that's their mo. I mean, when you look at when they play their best is when they crank it. Uh, it helps both sides of the ball, even though it generates more possessions on the defensive end. They they just they're just better because they're they're attacking and, and trying to get those transition opportunities. Um, I'd, I'd like to see them. You know, you can't again. You can't do it the whole time. And, and part of this this series, we we kind of knew was going to come down to finding ways to score in the half court. Uh, they've got to find a way to do both better and and, and, and make sure that they they play at the uh, the pace that benefits them most. All right, Chris, hang in there. Everybody, hang in there. We got to break briefly for commercials. We're here with Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston. Back on the other side of the break. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtics Beat. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gironda was considered the pioneer of pure natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gironda, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at www.darylcurrent.com. Daryl, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health. Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation of eating organic, grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods. And get it from the country's leading organic meat brand, American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Episode number 153 of Celtics Beat is brought to you by SeatGeek. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and they all try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That is why you need to try SeatGeek. They are the best ticketing app available in buying and selling sports and concert tickets. Because unlike StubHub, they are honest and upfront with their price. If you're selling, they make it easier than ever at finding the most efficient selling price for you. And if you are purchasing, there are no hidden fees at checkout. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is based ranked on value. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Listeners, you get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how. Download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and enter promo code CELTICSPEED. All one word. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. The NBA playoffs are returning to Boston this weekend, so get in on all the action. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code CELTICSBEAT today. Welcome back into Celtics Beat. We are here with Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston talking about game one of last night's playoff series from the 2016 Eastern Conference quarterfinals. What else could we possibly talk about on the show besides today? 
mentioned his name briefly before we headed to break. We were talking about the Celtics going small. He was a dud last night. Jared Sullinger was quite simply awful. He's not. He just doesn't match up well with Atlanta that we know now, Chris. But why was he so tentative on the boards? What was I don't the excuse know. for that? I, w- I wish there was there was an answer for that. I think we know that that Jared is inconsistent at times. I think that's one of the most frustrating parts for people. You know, he goes through these stretches where he looks like a dominant rebounder, like an elite defensive rebounder in the league, and then there are times when he just when he fades, and you're sitting there wondering why he can't bring it on a night to night basis. Uh, we, like you said, this isn't a good series for him matchup wise, but he has to make an impact on the glass. And I was actually a little bit surprised when they came out for the second half and it was clear they were going to go small with Evan Turner. I thought maybe Jared would be the guy who would shuffle to the bench. You know, Brad's done that before. I think they like Amir. They, gave him, another, they gave him another look. It, and they threw him back out there. And, and it was a little bit surprising. Now, it worked out because Amir came off the bench. And for whatever reason, when Amir gets benched, it like lights a fire under his butt. And he comes out and he plays really well defensively. Now he had that that giveaway at the end that 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 will diminish what he what he did there in the second half, um, but you know what they need they need Sullinger to just play with energy. That if all he does in this series is grab ten rebounds per game, then that would be fantastic. You know if he wants to knock down a couple jumpers when the offense is struggling, that'll help. But I mean, took fourteen shots last night. And part of it was necessity early when you know the, the Celtics had nothing going. He was just settling for those jumpers. Uh, but I would much rather if 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 they can implore anything on Jared, see, he's got to be aggressive on the glass. He can't be. Uh, he can't just just kind of like try to try to try to use his athleticism because it, against guys like this, it's just not going to work. Is it as simple to say that it could very well be a mental thing now against Atlanta that he's been so awful against them? Is that was that the case last night? I know it's just stupid cliche discussion, but we're now five games now, and he has been porous against Atlanta. I was surprised they gave him that much of a chance. How many minutes did he play last night? Because I felt like he played 30, and even though he only played like 18 <laughs> or 19, it felt like he was out there for 30. Cause he, was he, was, he, was, he, was only out, he was out there for less than 20 minutes, 19. Yeah, I was going to say that, 18 seconds. or 19, but it, it just felt like a lot because he was having he such was, a know, negative he, impact. He was even a plus in the... In, in the, uh, I think in the uh, oh, traditional Boston, which is surprising. Again, you know, I, 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 it baffles me. Yeah, he was plus two. Go figure. Um, but he just didn't impact the game like he, like he, he could have. And and I, I, there is certainly something to that. I think some of these guys look at this series, and even when they when they found out it was Atlanta, I think they were frustrated because they know how talented Atlanta is and how good they can play, and how poorly Boston matches up at times. About that, you know. But they 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 they've, they've got to push through that, like. It, it can't matter. Sollinger has to know he's important to this series, and regardless of, of if he's got a tough matchup, he's got he's to bring it on the glass. I think they should try to do something differently on that. And there was a lot of people last night on the, in the Internet communities that were pitching the name of Tyler Zeller. Wow. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I, forgot, I totally forgot about him. We were going into the series of all these you know, pre-series shows, and you know, there were a lot of them this series was, was broken down ad nauseum by a lot of people. And people started casually, or analysts, casually talking about how Jonas Jarepko could be a key guy for the Celtics this series because they didn't have to go small. And it sort of, it never really dawned upon me until this morning when it was like, you know, if you're really disgusting about Jonas Jarepko being a key factor <laughs> for a team, it's like, that's probably not a good, that's probably not a good, that team would, you assume, would be in trouble. Is there any sort of rotational moves that, that you would do, maybe, would you feature Zeller a little more, play Salinger a little less, I mean, Jarepko? Anything that you do sort of differently that we sort of forward along to Brad? 
So I, I would worry about tinkering too much because I'm, you're already going to have to deal with Avery's absence here, and you've got to make some moves based on that. I'm not saying it disrupts the whole team. I just think if you're if you're after game one, if you lose one game by a point and you start overreacting, then you're sort of not showing confidence in, in the guys you've got. Uh, it's funny because a lot of my friends were texting me last night, like, you know, what is Jurevko doing out there? Yeah, like, yeah, he doesn't like bring anything. You know what? He had the best net rating on the team, and it wasn't even close. Like he was the one of the few guys who was a net positive, and I I, I don't know if you can quite explain it. It's uh it it's one of those things. You know, we haven't even talked about it, but Kelly Olynyk didn't play much at all. Yeah, he's banged up. And then when he when he did play, that was when Millsap made plays against. And we when, when Olynyk was guarding Millsap, there was a big and one play that he just sort of blew right by him, and just and Olynyk just took a wave. Exactly. Back. I mean, right he does the, not look right at all. And he's it, not a guy that I think we're talking about mentally tough players. I don't like him playing through an injury. Well, I, I think I think this is going to be uh, a bigger story today. Once you know, last night obviously Avery's injury sort of dominated all the hype. Uh, but Kelly, it was a sore right shoulder. That's the same shoulder that he got hurt uh, when DeAndre Jordan came down on him in February and, and caused him to miss a month. Uh, that's troublesome because I mean that's that's shooting wise, that's that's defensive wise. Like Kelly needs every limb possible to to be a defender in this series. And just like you said, there were times when they were racing right past him. Amir was late with help and had that and one foul. Um, I, I you know it, it's it's worrisome. I don't want you to. I, I can't. They can't overreact to one loss, but they also. You know, putting this thing back together, if guys are dinged up and trying to figure out the rotations, it is, it is a little bit worrisome. I don't love the idea of Zeller. I don't. I, I I think, you know, I know you need rebounding, and you could probably benefit from a big man presence. I think we'll see him at some point in this series. It's inevitable. Uh, but I do think this is more of a series where I'd rather see the the Jareb coming. If, if Kelly can get healthy, uh, you know, you lean on the, the four smalls with with a big like him uh, and roll the dice. And and you know, someone's got to rebound in that instance, and maybe Rozier will help you a little bit there. Um, but listen, there's no ideal matchup against the Hawks with the what the with what the Celtics got. Yeah, I don't think it was more of a case of overreacting to one loss. Yeah, I, I've sort of lukewarm on the Zeller thing. I, I never really gave a train of thought. I, like I said, when someone brought it up to me last night, it was Jason from our Facebook group. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even know he was on the team. <laughs> Still, I was sort of just – it was because, once again, I only got a few hours of sleep, so I was just – I didn't know where to go. But I don't think it really is overreacting to one loss if there are people fretting about this because, as we both of us know, and I think almost everyone knows, this Atlanta matchup is just terrible for Boston. It's now four out of five this year, so it is – isn't really just one game, yeah. and it was how how they lost. Uh, all the things that we can go over. I mean, another thing we didn't go over was once again there were, there was more offensive droughts, and I know every team has this, but I still go back to thirty-one to three against the Hornets first half. Yes, Atlanta they have a great defense, but still it's the jump shots. Boston couldn't get inside because they really don't have that player to get inside outside of Isaiah, and when Isaiah doesn't have the hot hand. Like any jump shooting team, you know, the Celtics don't have anyone to go to the basket to get to the free throw line, stop the flow of the game. So it's once again, it's that old sort of line, live by the jump shot, die by the jump shot. So the Celtics just need to be better at, at, at recognizing when the, what they do well is not happening. And so like if, they're, if they're trying to take all those jump shots, they're just not falling. They've got to in, someone's got to say, guys, let's go to the hoop. I, like Isaiah's going to huddle the guys. They've got to pull themselves out of that. They can't let those, those little lulls just come back and hurt them like it, it's just so important like again we, we talked about the lulls 
We talked about turnovers. There are a few keys in this series, and they've got to recognize when when those things are going wrong. And it's death on the road. I mean, it's a problem at any time in a, in a basketball game, but it's just death on the road during the NBA playoffs. And that's what getting to the free throw line quells the crowd a little bit. And when, when, when you get that crowd going, these teams go on these huge runs. I thought the Celtics played about a D minus first half. They did. And they were lucky that it was still just 19 because Atlanta, as we know, wasn't really playing all that well. If Corvus was making a few more threes, that that could that thing could have been up. That lead could have been Got up thirty, here. and that yeah. could have been up thirty. That could have been you know game over, right then and there. Uh, but uh, that's just sort of a case, I think, of personnel. So, so what's, so what's your, what's your what's your what's your confidence level? Where are you at, Larry? Where, where, on a scale of one to ten, what's your optimism? Well, I didn't. I hated this matchup uh, going into the series. When I, when I saw they drew Atlanta, I was just like, oh my goodness. I mean, I, I was talking about it. Atlanta being a bad matchup for the Celtics even before that Saturday night regular season game, uh, you know, eight days ago. It's just because all year this Celtics team has just really struggled against teams that have the traditional big men. Atlanta's got Millsap and Horford. You go back to some of the losses they've had when they lost to the Nets when Brooke Lopez tore them up at the beginning of January. Jalil Okafor on the season opener before they brought Jared Sullinger off the bench. Favors and Gobert in, in, in Utah. Monroe's beaten them up a few times this year. That is why I hated this matchup going into this series. And I was kind of semi-surprised last night that those fears really didn't play out. Although, like I said, I mean Crowder was able to keep Paul Millsap yep. in check to an extent. Is he going to be able to do that over the course of the next five to six games? I'm not sure. Confidence level, it wasn't really good going into the series. I, I don't think I really made a true prediction. I, I said Hawks in six like because, like I said, I need that series to go six games from my personal standpoint. But, <laughs> I mean, I would think they, they, they should still – and it looks like they're not – I can't imagine Bradley's coming back. And we should operate under the assumption that he won't come sure. back. I still think that they'll still be able to do okay in those middle two at home. I sure. really, I would still be surprised if it's Hawks and five. I really would. Yeah, this I, team I, I, survived I'm, I'm, with with injuries all year. They've they've always been missing throughout the year. They were they were a pretty healthy team this year, but they've always had like one guy out. Like Smart was out for an extended period of time. Bradley, when when Smart got back, Bradley missed a few games, and then when Bradley missed a few games and got back, then I think Smart got another injury. Olenek got an injury as soon as Olenek got one. Then Crowder missed some time. They've always dealt with one injury all year. Exactly. I mean, and not to diminish what Avery does, but just like you said, there have been instances in the year where you had a kick in the back of the leg or the knee or whatever it was, where Marcus was able to step up in that starting role and they didn't miss too much of a beat. I think they're they've they if we're being honest, their depth is on the perimeter and especially in the series while they they need all of it. Um, it's not as as damning an injury as maybe another spot. Like if he lost Crowder again, that would be just cripple this team, especially kind of his defensive versatility. If they lost Isaiah, just because of what he means oh, to yeah, the offense. Yeah, that's done. So so you know, I, I I I'm interested to see how they respond. You know, Brad Stevens said it after the two losses earlier this week against Charlotte and Atlanta. You know, it was interesting to see how his team responded against the Miami. And, well, the first half, they, they didn't respond at all, and they just kind of rolled over. Uh, but then they sort of saw the legends and, and decided that they actually had to turn it up a little bit. And that was that was encouraging to see. So do they use this as a little bit of a rally? Do they say, all right, like, you know, well, one of our – like just like I think Marcus said last night, one of our brothers is down. It's time for the rest of us to step up. Do they find some inspiration in not having Avery out there, one of their you know most veteran guys, the, and, and, and build off it? I still think it is going to be a competitive series. 
like you said, you know, everyone was leery coming in because of the way they match up. But that being said, I don't think there's any reason that, I, I, that this game, that this series shouldn't go six or seven games. Uh, and I don't, I, I don't think that you can unequivocally rule out that the, that Boston finds a way here. Uh, but they've certainly got to tighten up things, and they certainly can't have first halves like that. Um, but let's say, let's say they don't. Let's say they, they've somehow they're out in five. Maybe they push it six. Uh, we'll say six for for your personal benefit. What what is your reaction? Does that depend? I was just ready to ask you that. I was about ready to say, what would you consider a success? I know a lot of the talking heads in the Boston media, who I have absolutely zero respect for, have sort of plugged the the Celtics have to win the playoff series uh, because it won't be a successful season without that. I don't buy that whatsoever. I think a lot of it just comes down to the draft lottery. We can talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. But I would like to think that. I mean, I, I mean, hey, let's put it this way: if they got swept. If it was, if there was a door number one, if they got swept but won the draft lottery, I'm sorry, that still that still <laughs> supersedes everything. But it would be slightly disappointing if they bowed out in a pretty uncompetitive five games. Like if they won that third game back in Boston, but then Atlanta sorted things out in, in that fourth game and then took care of in five. That would be a slight disappointment. I don't think it totally diminishes what happened this year. They still won 48 games. They still took another a lot of steps in the right direction. But I don't, I, I don't know. I think we've, we've gotten so used to this team fighting and making things as competitive as possible. A five-game, one-and-done, I, I, I don't know how I could – in a disappointment scale, I think it would be like a, like a seven? Like yeah. A six or a seven. So, so I, I, I'm pretty much with you. Like, I'd be they, happy with six, a hard-fought six games. I really Yeah, I, I could live with that. Like, I, th- I think if you get swept out and you don't show any advancement from last season, that's a disappointment. No, because... that's a sweep is not, I think, acceptable. A sweep is yeah, not exactly. acceptable. And, Even and, five or, would it, be like, uh, no way. Even if they if they go down three zero and they they steal one like game four just to keep it alive, that's not worth it either. Like you got you got to be competitive in one of these first three games. Win one of these first three games. Push this series a little bit, and then if you buy, you say, "Hey, listen, you know what? It didn't work out. The the, the dumb tiebreaker that puts you in this position. Um, you know, if Crowder doesn't get injured, you'll always wonder what might have been if they could have pushed fifty wins, if they could have got that third seed. I mean, you're sitting here thinking that and not to overreact to game ones, but to watch Indiana beat Toronto in game one, you start thinking, well, geez. Oh, I know. They were already doing that in the post game show. They were already doing that in the post game show last night, saying, <laughs> "Oh my goodness, if they were the sixth seed and they had beaten Miami, and then they would have drawn Indiana in the in the second round, and they would have had LeBron, you know, LeBron, then you put on a great showing against LeBron." And I think they they Butler and Kevin Durant's name were already tossed around in the post game <laughs> show last night, just solely because of that. They were already talking about yeah. the talking about getting lucky and going to the Eastern Conference Finals. And you're right. I mean, that's just sort of just circumstances in how they draw it. It's, it was still very deflating that they did get Atlanta in the first round. And like I said, that's why it was just all about, I think, just putting on a good enough showing because that should not uh, eradicate or not eradicate. That's not a word I use. That shouldn't really diminish <laughs> what had happened in the regular season because I still thought 48 wins, despite all this, the BPI projections or the real plus minus projections that had 48 to 51 wins. I still would have been like, I mean, I would have. We taken nailed that. it, by the way. I, you get it's right. Yeah, 48, right? Because I had yep. Kevin Pelton on about a month ago, and they said, yeah, we had the Celtics winning 48 games, and then sure enough, <laughs> and I, I think I said to him on that show, I was like, I think that's exactly what they're going to settle in. That was about a yeah. month ago, and they did nail it the 48 wins, but still, I would have. 
signed up for that a tenfold. I was still thinking, you know, 39 to 43 wins just because you just, it was still last year. I was thinking of all the times they were winning games because I thought other teams, like when they beat Atlanta the game before the All-Star break last year when Atlanta yeah. was going to 60, Atlanta, like, just checked out of that game. They brought, like, a C-minus <laughs> game. It was like, oh, we're playing Boston. You know, we'll just, and Boston kind of – and there was a, a few games like, like that last year where the Celtics really snuck up on them. So I didn't know how that was going to carry over – to this year. But if you're talking about, you know, what's best for the franchise and free agents, of course you want to see the Celtics go to the Eastern Conference Finals. Although, I've mentioned this on last week's show, let's say they had gone to the Eastern Conference Finals, pushed LeBron to six games, you would then have everybody in Boston all thinking that Durant would be an automatic. Oh, he's going to come to this team. So it would have created a new level of expectations for the team. And then, of course, next year, that if they didn't get Durant, you would have seen fans a little ticked off in the in the off season, and you'd have fans almost assume they'd be winning fifty five games. I think they've accomplished almost all they could. That Golden State win on the Friday night, I said that supersedes a playoff series win in my uh-huh. eyes. That was better than winning a playoff series. But I, I said it. I said it about what was it when they beat Golden State two three weeks ago now two weeks ago. I said, listen, as long as they don't humiliate themselves in the playoffs. This season is fine. They end up getting the absolute worst possible matchup. And if you're talking about free agents or making the right move for the future, it's all going to come down to the draft lottery. Because if you get the number one pick overall in the draft, that opens up a zillion trade scenarios. And if you open up a zillion trade scenarios, you get one player in here. Another player could possibly sign. Cleveland could not get out of their own way for four <laughs> years. They made, they humiliated themselves after LeBron left for four years. They made awful just trades. They they picked Kyrie Irving as an automatic, but remember they picked Anthony Bennett yeah, number one yeah. overall. They couldn't get out of their own way for four years. They won a draft lottery, traded that. You know that that set everything up for a trade for Kevin Love. LeBron got to sign back. Everything still hinges upon that draft lottery. If you want to talk about the Celtics making the big move this summer and getting back into the championship picture as soon as next year, more than it does in my eyes. Of course, listen, if they go to the conference finals, if they go to the second round and push LeBron to six games, great. The draft lottery supersedes a playoff run in my eyes. Yeah, and I know people get kind of like upset about that notion that they're like, oh, how can, how can you say that losing in the first round is acceptable for this team? And it, it's not, it, you know, they got to show a little bit more competitive than. than this is still, than, this team is still incredibly overachieved. I mean, this is not that great of a roster. They won forty-eight games. Exactly, and so you know, I, I hate to say there's a silver lining or there's something that cushions the, the fall a little bit, but you know, I think I think we're expectations went up and down this season. There were times when they were challenging for fifty wins. I think people said, "All right, they can get to the conference finals." There's the, this, the East is wide open. I think there'll be a little bit of frustration and a little bit of, of what could have been when you look at this season. But uh, if you're looking for what will bode best for the long term success of this team, it absolutely comes down to those ping pong balls. And I think we all need to send our gift baskets to uh, the Phoenix Suns for their late season surge and to the It was was more the Nets sitting down uh, Lopez and Young and losing out. It's really crazy how uh, how they took their foot off the accelerator. And I understand, like, they had to look to the future and they don't want to injure the the two assets they have. Um, So that's a tough situation down there. Uh, but if, if of all the things that have gone against Boston lately, uh, uh, especially with the draw and everything like that, they can look back and say, well, we, there was some luck there and, and maybe they'll finally have some luck on May 17th. And, and that will be, like you said, that I, that, that is absolutely more important, uh, than probably any amount of playoff success will have. If the, if the ping pong balls bounce the right way, 
uh, superstars looking at where they should go next are going to be a lot more likely to think hmm, Boston's about to get a, 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 a number one talent or, or trade, trade for, for someone. Yeah, that's and that's that, that's a lot more beneficial than you know. Hey, they pushed they pushed the. Uh, uh, yeah, they, they, the yeah, they, they they play they played against the Cavs really well. Yeah, like, I mean, they, they won a game. You're gonna <laughs> forget about that ten minutes later. Listen, if they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, though, that would be different. But if they sure. if they like bowed out in five competitive games to the Cavs and the Cavs got swept in the finals, no one's gonna remember that. I'm sorry. Exactly. Exactly. Where do you think the series ends up, though? Give me a prediction. No. So I, I still think it's it's gonna go seven. I just oh, I felt wow, like that's from the beginning. I, and, that that'd be impressive. I mean, you know, and I, I operating think, under the assumption Bradley is out. Exactly, exactly. Even even then, I think they have enough parts where they'll. It wouldn't surprise me if they come out and they got some little inspiration from not having Bradley in game two, find a way to steal it. And everyone's going to get really excited, and, and you'll do a podcast after game two, and the, and the you'll be sitting there planning the map to the, to the Eastern be. Conference Finals, and. Then they'll lose one in Boston, and everyone will go right back off the ledge and say, oh, my God, this team can't take advantage of it when it happens. I think ultimately it's just going to go back and forth like that in this series. Uh, and I just I just think the, the fact that you know six will be, at, will be in Boston, I think they have a good chance to win that, push it back to Atlanta, and then who knows what happens. It'll come down to – does Atlanta I'd, have – I'd be willing to bet a pretty substantial sum that the Celtics do not win a seventh game in Atlanta. It would be tough. That, you know, I mean, just, I just don't just, think this team is ready to win a road game seven it's t- a against young a team, team that's better than them. Exactly. But it, 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 if it comes to that, and I, I hate to keep throwing silver linings out there, but the fact that this team would push a series to seven games and, and make it competitive and be in that situation would bode well for the future. I don't know how many guys will be back depending on how this team looks and how those ping pong balls dance. Uh, but every little bit, is, it, it helps. And I think the, you know, the, we've seen that with, with teams as they get to the playoffs, that experience certainly helps. Do you think Crowder can kind of keep this up on Millsap and keep him in check? Because I still feel like he's just due for, for one of these crazy. I, I remember I, the last Celtics game I went at was New Year's Eve in 2013. And Millsap had something like 30 and 17. And I remember leaving the arena that again, I never remember Paul Millsap being that good because I was on YouTube. He was like the definition of solid. Like whenever you hear it, solid. but it, since he's been in Atlanta, I mean, you know, he's actually like, I was just thinking about this now that, it, you know, right before we got on the air, he's actually like one of the best free agent signings in NBA history. Rare. What's his contract like? Cause I, I, I don't remember. I think I've he's, never... I, uh, I don't, I don't remember either, but he just resigned. I'm talking yeah. like when he signed with Atlanta, cause people always talk about, you know, we're talking about, uh, big name free agents signing with the Celtics, and oh, they, the Celtics never signed big name free agents. That's because free agents generally don't change teams in the NBA that are really good. I mean, the, it's it, there's only two of the top 25 players in history that have changed teams via free agents. I mean, guys have been traded. Barkley's been traded. Kevin Garnett's sure, been sure. traded. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's been traded. Uh, but they don't. It's not free agency. It's Shaq and LeBron, and then Nash. But Nash really, I mean, he was never considered an all-time great until he got to Phoenix. He was an all-star. Sure. But, I mean, you look at the list, and I was thinking it was it's like Shaq, LeBron, Chauncey Billups was a free agent signing. Remember, he signed for the mid-level exception. You can make the case that Paul Millsap's the fifth best free agent signing in NBA history. Wow. But what about, do you think Millsap's going to be putting one of those 30 and 17 games? Well, uh, you know, I, I, think, I think my fear is that. That's my fear. That that whether it's Millsap, whether it's Corver having one of his five three pointer outbursts, whether it's Teague having a big game, I mean, it, it, they've got so much talent that's capable of hurting you on a night to night basis. That if someone's lagging, it's it's amazing how someone else can step up, and so that that's worrisome because I don't think the Celtics have that sort of depth where 
you can say if they take Isaiah out of it that that that, that someone else will will necessarily be able to step up and have a big game. So, you know, I, I think that's the one downside to when you look at this look at look at Sunday's game, Saturday's game is that um, there was an opportunity that we were able to hold two of their their big weapons down, but it still wasn't enough. Uh, I worry that that if if, if especially if it, heaven forbid they all get it going, it's going to be particularly tough on Boston, but especially Millsap. Just the way the you know the, the final regular season game down there, the way he dominated. Wow, um, it, it it's sort He's of done that a few times against the Celtics over the years. I mean that that's the thing. It, it it's really uh, it's really for those who don't see the Hawks on a nightly basis. I I think my you know again I'll put myself in that in that that group. Uh, I think you you look at that team and you and you say all right Horford really carries them at times and because of his two-way impact no Millsap's far and away their best player yeah you know you just forget about it I just forget I don't know why I don't know why you know it's funny with players players are so underrated sometimes that they're overrated (laughs) Millsap is still one of those guys that Paul Millsap's underrated and he's still underrated I don't know what it is I really don't know why like we can is it because he has like a like a weird name (laughs) you think I'm like 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 killer like dudes is like his name's Paul Millsap yeah you know you don't really start shaking your boots when you hear his no, name no. Paul, Paul's could you, Paul, ma- Paul's could, aren't. Could you imagine <laughs> if he was a pro wrestler and you're like you know we're gonna call you Paul Millsap he would just be like that dude that's in the ring that gets you know like a, a classic jobber so I think I, I wonder if it's his name that has something to do I don't get it but he's far he's far and away their best player and two-way player I mean he's a probably a second team all defense guy He's their most efficient player. He leads, and I think in every single category on the team except I think assists. Yeah, and and, it was and 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 like there's been some all NBA buzz now, like that he should elevate to that list. And when you think about what Isaiah did in Boston and the fact that he's fighting for a spot, now I know it's a little bit thinner at the big man spot, but that's still like I mean it's impressive when when guys muscle up into the really the top fifteen considerations in the league. It really speaks to to how good he's been this year. We also forget one other reason that we never went over yet of why they lost that game last night. Can you guess what it is? The uniforms? Oh, yeah, the uniforms. You nailed it. <laughs> Those heinous green and blacks. Guess what their playoff record is all time in the green and blacks? Uh, someone tweeted me at it. It's something like 9-12 and 12 or something? or nine. No, no, in the playoffs. Oh, in the playoffs. Uh, no, that's all I mean. I don't care about – I don't know what their regular season record I don't think, is. I, don't think I actually – I, they never won a game. They have them, never right? won a game. And I remember I, I had I was talking to Randy. He was talking. About, I was talking to Red Auerbach's daughter about the about the playoff. Like, why do they wear the alternates in the playoffs? And I actually did. A, you know, I started going back to. I remember in two thousand eight when they kept wearing them. I was like, they lose every single game when they play. <laughs> so they finally switched back to the green and whites. I think for the Eastern Conference Finals, and they started winning road games again. Oh, that's funny. And I remember. And I so I'm like, okay, I'm now gonna just you know you two every single game and see. We got it. 2008, 0-3 against Atlanta, 0-2 against Cleveland in the semis, 2009, 0-1 against Orlando, 2012, I remember this like it was yesterday, they, were, they brought it back out of nowhere, the green and blacks, I finally thought they got rid of them, all of a sudden I saw them for games 1 and 2, and I remember I was at Tavern in the Square in Alston, watching game 5 of that series after they won the two uh, home games against Miami in the conference finals, and we were all like looking like, because they had the warm jackets, they better not be wearing those green and blacks, they better not be wearing the <laughs> They had they wore they were wearing the green and white. We were, we were already high fiving in the pregame. Then they finally took those green and blacks. So zero and three, zero and two, zero and one, zero and two against the Heat. Zero and one last night. Zero and nine all time in the green and blacks. And we somebody oh. forward this along to the Celtics to never wear those garbage I'm gonna, bags. I'm gonna find out because now I'm interested in who decides. Like 
I, Stop I, wearing I, them in the playoffs. If you want to sell them in the regular season and, and wear them against Philadelphia on a Monday night because you want to sell, you know, eighty-five dollar replicas to you know spoiled kids, go ahead. <laughs> playoffs is stop. Stop wearing them in the playoffs. What if, what if they decide to stop wearing them? But but it, it means they have to wear their parquet pride jerseys. No, alternate uniforms are alternate uniforms. Wear their regular. They won a lot of. I'm just I'm just giving you a hypothetical. <laughs> like, what if it meant going to the pajamas? Uh, the garbage bags is what I call, what I call those. Those they're heinous uniforms. They stop wearing them. <laughs> Got to do this before we go because we're really tight on time. Before we go, little programming for CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Last night's post game show, the immediate reaction from fans calling in, hosted by Nick Gelso and Justin Poulin of Celtic Stuff Live, that went live after the game. That is now available for download on the CLNS Radio mobile app, which you can get for your iPhone and Android, as well as CLNSRadio.com. If you missed it last night, I got caught up on it this morning, and sure enough, that's when I mentioned it a little earlier about. Justin, he was a little deflated after that Bradley injury, so I think to make himself feel better, he started talking about Durant and Jimmy Butler possibly. <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet. We're going to get to May. Uh, also, Justin and co-host John Duke released an earlier edition of Celtic Stuff Live. That will not be available tomorrow for those that are expecting their regular Monday release. They instead released a show this past Friday with your good friend, Chris, Ryan Bernardoni, oh, a.k.a. Danger Card from the Reddit forums. Another shout-out, Sam Packard on the WEI Celtics podcast for his exclusive interview with Jay Crowder. Chris, where was your Jay Crowder puff piece, man? <laughs> they were friggin' coming out. He's on I, a Donald Trump media campaign. I, I feel like I missed out. Like, But credit to those guys. Each and every one of those stories was phenomenal in its own way. I was really proud of everybody on that beat. It's cool when, when everybody – and, and I, I'll relate it to I, – I always consider it like the, the WWF, WCW days when you have – guys writing good stuff it encourages you to go out there and try a little bit harder so that, that was awesome that oh i was watching those monday night wars uh oh, that the, so great the, that, that dvd series but <laughs> still got to keep the catch you mentioned that catch sam's interview with jay on the eei sellers yes, podcast yes. again this is all available on the clns radio mobile app and lastly of course pre and post game coverage for every celtics game for as long as there is, I don't know how it's going to be in a June. I don't know, maybe you know, end of <laughs> April. But I host the pregame show available at 4 p.m. Eastern time alongside Chris Villamore, Atlanta Hawks beat reporter for the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Kind of feel bad here for you, Chris. I'm taking care of my own. I uh, hope we're not trivializing your work as we pimp out the CLNS radio. No, not at all. Empire but, here. I, 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 Shout I'm, yourself I'm, out. I'm, I'm, what I'm doing is I'm writing down everything I need to download this week. So, uh, <laughs> I, and what I'd like to do is I'd like to thank the Celtic Beat audience for being patient because. One person on this show was up at the proper time, and one person in Atlanta was not. And uh, I, I thank you guys for bearing with me as uh, after a late night. Don't worry about it, Chris. We got it out. But that's going to do it for episode number 153. Music for Celtics Beat was provided by Will Rock, Joshua Mortz, Chuck Beats, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook. Keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS. Let's thank our guest, Chris Forsberg, as well as our sponsors today, SeatGeek and American Farmers Network, who along with the loyal audience of this show make this all possible. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, program director, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host of Celtics Speak. I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Speak, powered by CLNS Radio.